across the room. Let them know you're glad that they are here this morning. Yeah. 
Isn't it good to serve a God that you know will never leave you, never forsake you? God, we give you all the praise this morning. That you inhabit the praises of your people, God. Where we are, you are there in our midst. So we thank you for this service this morning. That you can move freely in this place. Speak to the hearts of each one, God. We are here for you this morning, Lord.
stop working you never stop you never stop working even when i don't see it you work even when i don't feel it you working you never stop you never stop working you never stop you never stop working even when i don't see it you working even when i don't feel it you working you never stop you never stop working
that is who you are, everything to me, my God, everything to me, that is who you are, my God, you are, cause that is who you are, you're everything I need, you are more than enough, you are my healer, my provider. That is who you are, everything to me, my God, yeah, that is who you are, 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 you are, we make miracle work, promise keep. Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Cause you are way make miracle work, promise keep. Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You're everything to me, everything to me. You're everything to me, cause that is who you are. You're everything to me, you're everything to me, you're everything to me, cause that is who you are, that is who you are, that is who you are. That is who you are, 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 my everything, that is who you are, that is who you are, you are my way make, miracle work, promise keep. Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Cause you are, we make miracle work, promise keep. Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You're everything to me. You're everything to me. You're everything to me, you're everything to me. Praise you, Father. God, that we'd be a people that see you as our everything. Not looking to the world as our source for happiness, for money, for love. But God, that you are our source for every single thing. Praise you, Heavenly Father. that we would let you be our God, let you be our healer, let you be our provider. Praise you, Lord, that we would not hold you out of any part of our lives, because that is who you are, the God of our good, the God of our bad. We give it all to you, Heavenly Father, knowing that your perfect love casts out all fear, 
rest in you, Lord. You are truly our everything. Father, I pray over these people that we would not be ones to hold anything back from you. That we give you every area of our lives. We give you our health. We give you our families. We give you our finances, God, that we do not hold back. And that means you never hold back from us. God, open our eyes to how big of a plan that you have in our lives for each of us. How big of a plan that you have for this church. Oh, will not be limited by our minds. But that we would renew our minds and line our thoughts up with yours, God. Because your plans are bigger. Your plans are greater. You are the way maker. With you, all things are possible. Father, I thank you for each one here this morning. Father, everyone here is standing in faith for something. We know that when we prayed, we believe that we receive it. And God, now we just wait in your presence. We thank you for the financial situations of those in here. God, that when we give you our best, you give it back. Father, we thank you for people standing in, in uh, agreement for healing this morning over their bodies. We join as a collective group, God, to stand for the needs of the people, of your people, God, and pray according to your word. And it says when we pray according to your word, we can be confident that you hear us. And when we know that you hear us, we can be confident that you do perform your word. Praise you, Heavenly Father. You are so much greater, so much bigger. Father, we worship you because that is who you are our way maker, our miracle worker. Your promises never fail. Thank you, Father, for your goodness, for your mercy that follows us all the days of our lives. Father, encourage hearts in here this morning. As we walk out this life, some of us are in highs, some of us are in lows at this moment, but God, you are still with us, and that is enough. Surround us, Lord, with your angel armies. Surround each one in here with people of God that will pray over them and speak life over them and recite your word to them, God. That your word changes lives. We thank you for the part that we get to play. Our loving Heavenly Father, because that is who you are. Praise you, praise you, praise you, Father God. Oh, we worship. Oh, we worship you, God.
goodness, your mercy, and your faithfulness, God. Our Heavenly Father who never leaves us nor forsakes us. Praise you, praise you, praise you, Heavenly Father. Hallelujah. We worship you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You made a way when there was no way. And we see you do it again, Lord. We receive today. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Chip and worship team. Thank God for the presence of God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, before you're seated, why don't you introduce yourself to a few people around you? Find out their name if you don't know your na their name, and then after you've done that, you may be seated. We want to welcome those of you who are watching today from Facebook and YouTube. We're glad that you're there. Praise the Lord. Worship with us today. Amen. We're going to dismiss the kids to their class. Kids, you can go to your class. Miss Karen is at the back door. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord. We can be together in church, fellowshipping with the family of God. Amen. Thank God for his presence as we worship together. There's nothing like the corporate presence of God. Hallelujah. Last Sunday, Alice Garcia was here worshiping with us. And this Sunday, she's worshiping with us from heaven. Yeah. Her husband, Ernie, is here today. Is that your daughter? Is that Kimberly? Yeah, I, I, I spoke to Kimberly. We're glad his family is here with him today. Praise the Lord. Amen. They were here worshiping. I thought last Sunday she's here worshiping. If any of you know Alice, sweet, sweet Alice, love the Lord, spiritual lady, and uh, but it won't be long, praise the Lord, before we'll see her again because time on earth is really so short. And we love you, and our prayers are extended to your family. And we will all miss her, but we're, she lived a full, and she just took off. People would say to me, what was wrong with her? I'm like, she just took off. But she did pray, Ernie told me, that she prayed. They had devotions together every night at 8 o'clock, and she would pray that she would be healthy until the day that uh, the Lord uh, was going to take her home, and she was. Amen. So what a testimony. She loved Jesus, and uh, we all knew that, and so our love to your family. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, they don't know the arrangements at this time, but when they do, we will be sure to let you know. This afternoon, after the service from 1230 until 4 o'clock, we're going to have at Club Web, that is our home, uh, 
uh, we're going to have a pool party for the youth and the young adults. And so there'll be pizza and we've got pool games. And um, so they, they're going to have a great time at, at our home uh, this afternoon after church. And then on October the 16th, we're going to have a church baptism after the morning service out here in the back. And so if you would like to be baptized, there is some information at the information center just about what you will need to, to bring and to have with you for that service. And so you can stop by there and you can pick up that information. Amen. Uh, then um, we're going to have on uh, Sunday evening, October the 30th, from 5 o'clock till 7 o'clock, we're going to have a fall festival. This year we're going to call it our family fall festival because we are doing something for the whole family. Um, we're going to have um, we're going to have a hot dog bar since it's kind of during the dinner hour. If you consider hot dogs dinner. <laughs> But we do at least make Hebrew nationals. So we do have kosher hot dogs. They're the best tasting ones. But we'll have a hot dog bar. And then um, if you would like to bring a side dish to share, then uh, we'll, we'll have that uh, time of food. You can just kind of eat when you want. We'll have it out here in the lobby. And then we'll have, um, of course, the children are like, will there be candy? Yes, there will be candy. So you may not bring a dessert as a side dish. Our sweets for the night will be candy, so just bring a regular food for your side dish. And so there will be candy, we've got face painting and blue balloon creations and a bounce house and games, and there will be a costume contest. We will even have a costume contest for the adults, and yes, there will be prizes. Uh, we're gonna have um, a pie-eating contest for the kids and the teens. And then there will be a dance-off for all ages. I don't think it'll all be at the same time, however. Thank God, right? And so we just have, a, it'll be a good time of fellowship. And so even if you don't have children or teenagers, please come. Well, it'll be a good time just to gather together as a church family and, uh, and enjoy ourselves together. Amen. And then we just want to let you know that this year, uh, just we're giving you a heads up as we do every year. Uh, we um, do the shoe boxes for um, Samaritan's Purse. And I know that this year there are, are a lot of countries that um, that they're going to be ministering to. The Ukraine has a lot of needs, and so our shoe boxes will be going to Ukraine, and uh, possibly now even uh, in the hurricane-affected areas in the southeastern part of this, the U.S. So there's just always so many needs, and we're so grateful every year with Samaritan's Purse. There are they they break records every single year. And so we're glad that we've been a part of that for, I don't know, 15 or 20 years, a long, long time. And so just a heads up on that. Um, and then the last thing is that uh, in the lobby, you'll see as you leave to the left of the front doors, there's information out there about the elections that are coming up in November. And so uh, you can stop by there and get information on all different types of candidates and issues that are going on. Praise the Lord. We're going to have the ushers come at this time, and we're going to receive our morning offering. Praise the Lord. There uh, should be envelopes uh, in front of the seats by you. If you don't have it, feel free to raise your hand, and the ushers will help you. Um, and uh, you can also give electronically, and that information should be up on the screen for you should you desire to give that way. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we worship you. We truly do worship you. Miracle worker, 
provider, our great provider, Prince of Peace, Jesus, our healer. We worship you with our tithes. We worship you with our offerings. We do it with gladness of heart because, Lord, you are so good to us. We speak over our church family divine provision, divine protection, and the divine peace of God. We thank you for it, Lord. Speak to our hearts this morning by the word of God and by the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. If you could agree with that, say amen. 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 After you've been given the chance to give in the offering this morning, would you stand and worship with us one last time? You're the 
bless you, Lord Jesus. We worship you. We magnify your holy name. Blessed is the Lord most high. Hallelujah. 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 Lord, we bless you. We thank you for all that you've done for us. We thank you, Father, for listening ears and open hearts to receive your word this morning. Thank you, Lord, that the blessings of God are overtaking us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. One of the things that Jesus said in talking about the end times, both in Matthew 24 and Luke 21, Jesus refers to the, uh, the fig tree. The fig tree represents Israel. And he, he said, uh, keep your eye on Israel and the other trees of the other nations. So there are some things that are going on in Israel that are groundbreaking, things that have never happened before. And the attitude of Israel concerning their Messiah and the appearance of the coming of their Messiah is paramount. And I don't know how to say it. I keep using the same words. But it's unlike anything they've had before. Last Monday was the Feast of Tabernacle or the Feast of Trumpets, which heralds the Messiah for Israel. And then coming up this Wednesday is the Day of Atonement. Some believe it's uh, well. I don't know. To say that there are discrepancies in the, in the Hebrew calendar, I don't think is accurate. But there's disagreement on which year it is in Israel's timetable or in its calendar. Some believe it's the beginning of the, of the uh, day of the um, year of Jubilee. But not everybody agrees to that. It's amazing how God has manifested his plan before mankind. But there are things that are hidden and kept secret. I believe by the hand of the Lord so that we have to trust in the leading of the Holy Ghost above and and beyond anything and everything else. The Day of Atonement was the act of substitution where the sins of Israel could be forgiven or, or really covered over. In Leviticus chapter 16, it tells us how the Day of Atonement was to be carried out. Now, God instituted these things this was certainly not man's plan or his idea. But God instructed the high priest 
to take two rams that are without spot and without blemish. And he was to cast lots between the two. The one upon whom the, the lot fell was taken to be sacrificed and the blood offered very specifically as it was sprinkled on the mercy seat. The mercy seat without blood is the judgment seat of Christ. But the blood of the sacrifice of the sacrificial lamb made it a mercy seat. And the other was called the scapegoat. And that scapegoat was taken by the high priest and he laid his hands on the scapegoat and he pronounced all the sins of Israel upon that animal. And the animal was taken out into the wilderness and turned loose to be eaten by other predators or die of starvation. And the phrase that the Bible uses is that he was cut off from the land of the living. The scapegoat was taken into the wilderness into a place cut off by the land of the living. Folks, these are things that Jesus fulfilled in God's act of substitution. The cut off from the land of the living signifies the time that Jesus spent between the death on the cross and the three days before the resurrection. And these were days spent in the pit of hell where he was paying for the price of all of mankind's sins. I want you to turn with me to Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah 53, beginning in verse 1. Who has believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows. This word sorrows is the word pain. And acquainted with grief, this word grief is translated sickness to other places in the Bible. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of pains and acquainted with sickness. And we hid as it were our faces from him, for he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our sickness and carried our pains. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Now, folks, this is God's explanation as to the life and the death of his son, his only begotten son, Jesus, who he sent to the earth. And Jesus laid aside his heavenly power and glory, the Bible says, he made himself of no reputation, according to Philippians chapter 2. In other words, he didn't operate here on the earth as the Son of God. He operated here on the earth as a man, anointed by the Holy Ghost, empowered by the Spirit of God to fulfill God's plan and purpose for his life. And so when Jesus died on the cross, 
we use, that's usually the point where we um, accept or conclude in our understanding of the sacrifice he made. But there was another part of the sacrifice to be made. Jesus lived shorter, a shorter period of time on the cross than the two thieves did on each side. The death of Jesus on the cross, the visible death of Jesus on the cross was not something that was, I don't want to say out of the ordinary, but there were things that you could not understand about the sacrifice of Jesus by just looking at his physical death. You remember after Jesus ate the Passover meal with his disciples, he went into the Garden of Gethsemane and he prayed. He asked his disciples to pray with him, which they were not able to do. They were so sorrowful because of the things that he had told them about his departure that they were grief-stricken and fell asleep rather than prayed. But Jesus prayed earnestly, and the Bible says that he sweat great drops of blood. Now, this is a, a physical condition that's very, very rare, but it has happened several times in medical history, or that medical history gives us a... a a report of and in every case every time whenever that happened to somebody it resulted in death but the anguish that Jesus was experiencing I don't believe was just the death of the cross as I said that was just a short period of time and if that was all there was to it Certainly Jesus would have been able to man up for that period of time on the cross. But he also has to pay the price, the substitutionary price for the scapegoat. The Bible tells us that when Jesus was in the pit of hell, all of the sins of the people, sins of mankind, were laid upon him. I'm going to read some more from Isaiah 53, verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray, and we have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Folks, this is substitution. This is Jesus paying a price for you and for me. He laid upon him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. Who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. There's that phrase that was spoke of. He was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. This word death is in the plural. In the original transcript. He made his... His grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. 
Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. This is the word sickness. Other translations say he has made him sick. Now that doesn't mean Jesus got cancer on the cross or after, the, uh, after his body died. It means that he was paying a substitutionary price for sickness and disease. God made him sick. God made him sick so that you and I need not be sick. Just as he paid the price for sin to release us from the bondage of sin, he became sin so that we might become righteous. He became sick so that we might be healed. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief for sickness. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed and shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. This word bear means to carry away, to do away with, to remove completely. For he shall bear or carry away their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he was poured out, because he has poured out his soul unto death, and was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sins of many, and made intercession for the saints, for the transgressors. The Bible tells us that Jesus fulfilled not only the sacrifice, the sacrifice of the Lamb for the Day of Atonement, but he also fulfilled the work of the scapegoat. What was it like for Jesus to be buffeted, as the psalm tells us, when Jonah was in, uh, swallowed by the fish, there are things that he prayed and things that he spoke of that relate to Jesus in the pit of the earth, in the very bowels of hell. It talks about wave after wave of God's anger being poured out upon Jesus. Jesus' spirit being crushed by the wrath of God. And folks, God does everything specifically and perfectly, completely. There were no, cut, there were no corners cut when it came to the suffering of Jesus. Not just the suffering of Jesus on the cross, but in the pit of hell. When we couldn't see Jesus after his body was taken and placed in the tomb, Jesus was fighting a battle. He was paying a price so that you, not, you and I would need not have to pay. When Jesus said on the cross, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That was the point that he became sin. And that was the point that his spirit 
was ushered into hell. It's hard for us to imagine, and people get all bent out of shape about the idea that Jesus died spiritually. But as we pointed out in, in Isaiah 53, it says he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, plural. Not only did he suffer physical death, but he suffered spiritual death. Now, spiritual death means separation from God. So when Jesus went into the pit of the earth in the very lowest part of hell, he was no longer joined with God. His spirit had been transformed by God laying upon him the iniquities of us all. He became sin. Now the Bible says in Romans chapter 5 and verse 12, by one man's sin entered sin into the world and death by sin. In other words, when Adam fell in the Garden of Eden, he fell as a representative of mankind. And the judgment of his fall was passed, on, was passed upon all men. In the same way, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, tells us that God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be made sin that we might be made the righteousness of God. Now, this means an exchange took place. Now, the, the depth or the characteristics of this change was based on how God treated Jesus as our substitute. By that, I mean, if Jesus just kind of went through the motions because God loved him, then our righteousness is just going through the motion. But if God crushed Jesus, as the scripture said, with wave after wave of his wrath, and his wrath was towards sin that Jesus had become, then our righteousness is literally a change of nature. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 says, If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. Well, what became new? Our bodies didn't become new. Our minds didn't become new. Our spirits became new. Our spirits were born again. We went from an unregenerate spirit to a born-again spirit that was made righteous by Jesus' substitute. Israel certainly couldn't understand those things by just watching the, the Day of Atonement play out, they just had to accept bone faith 
that their sins had been covered because God set it up that way, because God wanted it to be that way. But it wasn't a permanent thing. It was something that had to be redone year after year. So here's Israel waiting for the next couple of days for the Day of Atonement to be declared. And in this time, according to some at least, the year of Jubilee should begin. But the Day of Atonement hadn't been carried out since 70 A.D., Israel is without sacrifice. And because they are without a sacrifice, they are without their sins being removed. But Jesus, as the substitute, came not only for Israel, but for the Gentiles, so that we could enter into the blessing of Abraham that results as the righteousness of God was made unto us. There are things in this chapter of Isaiah 53 that are so beautiful for us to hear and accept, to receive it unto ourselves if we choose to believe his report. Verse 1 starts off, who shall believe our report? And to whom shall the arm of the Lord be revealed? It's something we have to take by faith. But it is a reality, even though it may be certain parts of our lives, that we fall short and still surrender to sin And as we commit sin, that flies in the face of the fact that we've been made righteous. But if we accept the truth of the word rather than the evidence in our flesh, then that righteousness is manifested just as God intended for it to be. He was wounded for our transgression. Verse 5 says, He was bruised for our iniquities. Now the difference between transgressions and iniquities, they both mean sin, but one refers to the original sin of Adam that was paid for, the price that was paid. And the other refers to individual sins of ourselves. So he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. He paid a price. Not only spiritually. To make us new creatures. But he also paid a price to provide for us. Financially. Which is what this word peace is referring to. And physically. Healing for the body. So here we are approaching Israel's Day of Atonement 
which they will not make a sacrifice for because they can't make the sacrifice anywhere except in the temple. And there is no longer a temple for them to sacrifice in. But I think it's important for us to be aware of other, other things that are going on, things that don't get reported and things that aren't talked about much in our country. But there's an organization that's called Temple Mount Institute, I believe. And this group has been working for many years with the goal, the ultimate goal of rebuilding the temple, which would be the third temple. You had Solomon's temple, Nehemiah's temple, and then the third would be this temple that we're referring to. They've been at work for many years and they have recreated the furniture of the temple, the altar, the menorah, even the Ark of the Covenant. And they have prepared these things in service for what the Bible says will take place and happen during the tribulation period, and that is the rebuilding of the temple. This Temple Mount Institute has purchased a part of the Temple Mount that they believe was where the temple originally stood. It's been conjectured for decades on how the Temple Mount relates to the original temple, Solomon's temple, and then secondly, Nehemiah's temple as well. And they believe they have secured the location where the temple used to be. Now the only thing that's stopping them from rebuilding the temple or reconstructing the temple with the things that they have, have built. And by the way, you may remember that Solomon's temple was built like a jigsaw puzzle. There was no work done on the site. There was no sounding of the hammer or cutting of the saw or anything like that. So just as the Temple Mount Institute, the organization has recreated and reconstructed these elements of the temple, they have estimated that they can begin the work within 24 hours of the go-ahead. They can construct the temple, put it together piece by piece, just as Solomon's temple was, and they're waiting for the time to do that. Now, we know the temple gets rebuilt because the Bible says that the Antichrist at the midpoint of the tribulation, three and a half years into the tribulation, he sits in the seat of God. He goes into the temple and, of course, defiling it by, by doing so. 
But he goes into the temple and proclaims himself as God. Now there's a one world religion that's taking place at that point in time. And that one world religion idea is one of the things that holds the Temple Mount Institute back from doing the work that they want to do. By that I simply mean the religion of the Palestinians is a hindrance to the Temple Mount work to be done. I'm speaking specifically of Islam. The Islamic relationship with the Jews is such that it would cause a war between many countries in Israel were they to try and reconstruct the temple before the appropriate time. One of the things that happens and the reason for it happening can be described and explained here is that according to Ezekiel 38 and 39 it tells us that Russia and Iran and a bunch of other countries every one of them Islamic in nature or in their governance they come down through the mountains of Syria into Israel for the purpose of destroying the nation the Bible says this war with Russia and Iran and the coalition armies is the first day of tribulation it's where the seven years of tribulation start and in that one 24 hour period God moves mightily to protect Israel there's a lot of things that happen a lot of things regarding nature and climate and so forth it tells us that God not only destroys the armies that come in to raid and, and attack Israel but that each of those countries that make up this coalition of Israel's enemies it tells us that hail mixed with fire falls on those countries and it destroys all but a sixth part now the sixth part turns out to be 17% so he leaves of all these Islamic nations that Russia that collude, collude with Russia to attack Israel is only 17% left. Now, folks, at that point in time, as I said, it's the first day of, of tribulation. After that first day is completed, there is no hindrance or opposition to the rebuilding of the temple. It clears the way for this Temple Mount Institute and whoever else is working in concert with them 
It removes the obstacle to rebuilding the third temple. There is part of this that's relatively unknown, not because it's trying to be kept a secret, but just because people are focused on other things. This piece of land that the Temple Mount Institute has purchased for the purpose of rebuilding the temple, it has underground tunnels, much as the rest of the Temple Mount has as well. And they have in that place underground all of these instruments and pieces of furniture that make up the temple. They have some of it under bulletproof glass to protect it from any attack that would come against them. And it's a place where the Sanhedrin already meets and conducts some of the affairs of Israel. But there's still one thing missing from that action that will take place as the tribulation begins. And that is the purification of the priests. In Leviticus chapter 16, the first part of the chapter tells about the purifying of the priesthood to offer the day of atonement sacrifice. And that purification is identified to include the ashes of a red heifer. Now we've talked about this red heifer thing for a couple of weeks, made a few jokes about it. But the Bible tells us very specifically that these, this red heifer that's used and will be burned and the ashes sprinkled on the water to purify not only Israel but the, the high priest to do the work of the atonement. On September the 15th of this year, five red heifers were sent to Israel to be used in this purification process. Now these calves are at present one year old. So it takes another year, a year of growth for them to be eligible to be used for this purification process. the Texas cattle rancher that bred these things working with the Temple Mount Institute and sent them to him are looking at it as since there are five red heifers available, one at least should be considered worthy of this use in purification. They're playing the numbers, but of course God doesn't work with their, their number category or number estimation. So what I'm saying 
is that we're a year away from the last remaining thing to be done, the purification of the priests. But after that year is passed, and these red heifers are still considered to be without spot or wrinkle, without blemish. We're looking at a one-year period, possibly the year of Jubilee, before the world comes apart at the seams. One of the other things Jesus said about the end time in Matthew chapter 24, in verse 14, it says, This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Look at that again with me. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. That means that God's got some worldwide revival planned since it's for all nations. The gospel of the kingdom that he's talking about is the good news that God wants things to be in your life here, his will to be done here in your life just as it is in heaven. Jesus defined the gospel of the kingdom in the Lord's Prayer our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God wants the same thing for his church here on the earth as he wants for them in heaven. It would be impossible for God to want one thing here on the earth and something else in heaven because that would make him to change. God said, I am God, I change not. So it would be impossible for him to have two wills. It would be impossible for him to want one thing for the church here on the earth and something else for his people in heaven. And this gospel shall be preached in all the world for a witness. This word witness means with proof and evidence. In other words, it's talking about the miraculous power of God. We know from the Old Testament that we're instructed in Zechariah chapter 10, verse 1, ask you of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain, and so the Lord shall make bright clouds or lightnings. It speaks of a display of his power and the manifestation of his presence, and give them showers of rain, manifestations of the Holy Ghost, to everyone grass in the field, to produce a harvest. The only harvest God really cares about is people. The Bible says in James chapter 5, Behold, the husbandman waiteth. Jesus is waiting to come to the earth. But what's he waiting for? Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and has long patience for it until he received the early and the latter rain. This early and the latter rain is a move of the Holy Ghost to bring people into the kingdom of God. So when Jesus says in Matthew 24, 14, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the, the world unto all nations with a witness, 
or with proof and evidence. And then shall the end come. Folks, we're looking at a year where the Holy Ghost manifests himself and manifests his, his presence and manifests the power of God to cause this end time harvest, this last day harvest, and usher millions, I believe, into the kingdom of God. Now, there's certain things we take for granted that may or may not be accurate. I always grew up in Baptist Sunday school with the idea that the rapture, if it took place on Saturday, the tribulation started on Sunday. That's certainly possible, but it's not required. It doesn't have to be that way. It's possible for the church to be raptured and several months or maybe a couple of years go by before the tribulation really begins. Only thing we know for sure that the tribulation about the tribulation is that it begins with this war where Russia and Iran and the other countries invade or attack Israel. We know that's the first thing. And the reason that we know that is because the Bible says that the instruments of war are gathered and burned for seven years. Well, if, it, if the instruments of those war, of that war, are burned for seven years, then it has to mean that, they, that it happens on the first day of tribulation. Tribulation is seven years long. And so the only way for it would, to fit would be for the Ezekiel 38 and 39 war to be on day one of tribulation. So things are lining up for the end. And I believe so strongly in the things that I'm telling you and I believe I have the witness of the Holy Spirit with me to do this. I'm proclaiming this next year, the year of Jubilee. I'm proclaiming this manifestation of the Holy Ghost and the power of God and the presence of God in demonstration to be the time that this gospel is preached in the world for a witness. I'm not exactly sure what to expect. But I can see as we look back, I think it's been about 10 years that we've been praying for the rain according to Zechariah chapter 10, verse 1. Again, that scripture says, Ask of the Lord rain the time of the latter rain. And the Lord shall make bright clouds or lightnings. And give them showers of rain. 
showers of rain, his outpourings of the Holy Ghost, and everyone grass in the field. In other words, it produces a harvest to be reaped for the kingdom of God. Now, I also told you recently about some things that I believe the Lord prompted me to do. One of the things we see in the outpouring of the early rain, the manifestation of the Holy Ghost in the book of Acts, was that it produced a revival of healing that was unlike anything that had ever been seen before. In so much, Acts chapter 5 tells us that they laid the sick on cots and beds on the street so that the shadow of Peter passing by might heal them. We have no record in Jesus' ministry of anybody being healed by shadow. We have no record in any other part of the Bible where people were healed by shadow. But remember, Jesus told his disciples in John chapter 14, the works that I do show you do also, and even greater works than these show you do because I go unto my Father. I don't believe you can get any greater works than what Jesus did in quality. So he must be talking about quantity. Well, if the early rain was evidenced or witnessed by people being healed by shadow, as we have record of in the book of Acts, then I believe we can expect the same kinds of things in the latter days with the latter rain being poured out. So one of the things, as I said, that God has prompted me to do here recently is we've been praying for the rain according to Zechariah chapter 10, verse 1. And we see an evidence or an example of the rain in Acts chapter 5 where people were healed by Peter's shadow. I'm calling for a wave of revival of healing, a wave of healing to be made manifest in our church so that every person that considers themselves a part of this family is healed by the stripes of Jesus and raised up by the manifestation of the Holy Ghost. I believe this last year or what is potentially the last year of the church on the earth. I believe that's how it will be for us. I think it'll be interesting when we get to heaven to look back at the ways 
the things that we were right about and the things perhaps we were wrong about. So I look at it, at it from the upside and the downside. The upside, I believe, is that this is from the Holy Ghost or the leading of the Holy Ghost. The downside is we trust God just like he told us to. I believe this is the year of jubilee for the church. I believe it's in line with the calendar of the Jewish people. I believe it will usher in millions into the kingdom of God. Now, folks, if this is the year of Jubilee coming up, it's the year of Jubilee whether we believe it or not. It's not our faith that changes anything here. But it does open our eyes to the reality of the times that we live in. And it's us making a way for God in our lives and in the life of our church. Again, Isaiah chapter 53, verse 1. Who shall believe our report? And to whom is the hand of the Lord revealed? The ones that believe for it, the ones that expect it, are the ones that are going to see God's strength and God's purpose carried out in the earth. We want to receive communion this morning. For the purpose of reminding ourselves and remembering the Lord's death till he comes back for us. I think they're going to bring the kids back in to share communion with the parents. Folks, I wish I was able to make this clearer. I don't really trust my words to convey the things that I see on the inside of me. But that may be part of the work of God in these last days too. That those who apply their hearts to it will see it. And those that are just bystanders or spectators will only see a part of it. I don't know. I believe we're in the last days. I believe we're in the last of the last days. There is virtually nothing that keeps Jesus from coming back, even today. But if Jesus is waiting 
for the early and the latter rain to produce the precious fruit of the earth. Then it's something that's important to him. This last day harvest is something that he's desirous to have. Gentlemen, will you come forward, please? the blood. 
Paul wrote to the church. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you. That the Lord Jesus the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. This bread represents the stripes of Jesus that provided healing, virtue, and healing power for his people. You can receive your healing just by taking this bread and mixing with it your faith in what the Bible says Jesus paid the price for. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we take this bread. We receive this bread, that which represents the body of Jesus, which was broken for us. And we believe that by his stripes we were healed. We believe, Father, that the substitute suffered our penalty, our sickness, our disease, to make a way for us to walk in divine health. Let's receive the bread. After the same manner also, he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Father, in Jesus' name, we come before you declaring our faith in the sacrifice, the substitutionary sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We believe, Father, that he took our iniquities. He bore our transgressions. He was made sin for us who knew no sin, and we were made righteous by his blood. Let's receive the cup. Hallelujah. Let's just lift our hands and thank God for his goodness. We bless you, Father. We worship you. We thank you, Jesus, for what you did. We thank you for paying the price for sin, the price that was ours. We thank you, Father, that healing flows through our bodies from this point forward, affecting a healing and a cure in us from the top of our head to the soles of our feet. We thank you, Father, that because we know the truth of your word, we are set free in every respect, in every manner. And Father, we thank you that we enter into the year of Jubilee, that year of outpourings of the Holy Spirit, that year of miracles, physical miracles, miracles of healing, financial miracles. We thank you, Father, for the leading and the guidance of the Holy Spirit that you order our steps 
And you use us in every possible manner to reach others for Jesus. We thank you, Father, for making this so. In Jesus' precious name, and everybody that agrees with that, say amen. 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 God bless you, folks. We love you.